right, let's jump into our teaching time this morning. Uh, it probably comes as no surprise to any of you here this morning to know that I think of myself as a leader. I do a lot of leadership things, and I, I am leading a church. I'm leading teams. I, I have a staff of people that I lead. And uh, many of you, if you've been here for any length of time, you also know that my wife is a leader, and my wife is an awesome leader. Uh, she is the lead histotechnologist up at uh, Bozeman Deaconess Hospital, and she does a great job leading her team. And to her credit, one of her team members is right here in the front row, and when I said she's an awesome leader, he said, yes, she is. So uh, my, wife is a, my wife is a great leader, but there's something really interesting that happens when a leader marries a leader. Some of you are shaking your heads. <laughs> you know what happens? You know what happens? Every once in a while, there's a little bit of a leadership conflict. Who is going to lead at any given time? And, uh, you know, my philosophy has always been, I am the king of my castle. Okay? And, um, and everybody knows the king trumps the queen, right? Oh, th- there were actually hisses. Somebody was hissing. <laughs> Actually, yesterday we went to see a movie uh, with, with Amy Fiel and, uh, and Chris and I had to do a little shopping. We bought our tickets and, and Amy went in to save seats and she was texting me and she said, where do you want to sit? And I said, I like to sit down so I can put my, my feet on the rail at the front of the theater. I like to sit right there. And I said, but Chris likes to sit up high. And... Uh, And Amy texted back and she said, so which one should I choose? And I said, well, uh, I like to be on the throne, but every once in a while you have to acknowledge that the queen is on the throne and there's only one throne. So maybe we should sit up high. So... (laughs) But I don't know about you, but I I like to be in control. How many of you, you like to be in control of your own destiny? You like to make your own decisions? You, you, You... and it's just, it's probably something that most of us can relate to, uh, and, and those of us that like to lead, that we have very strong leadership instincts, and that's not a bad thing, but sometimes those of us that like to lead, that we, we like to call the shots, sometimes we have a hard time remembering that there is somebody else that's seated on the throne, and there's only one throne, and we're going to be talking about that today. You might be able to relate a little bit to this video from Willy Wonka. Take a look at this. Anybody want to admit that's you sometimes? You say, if you don't get me what I want, I'll get it myself. Anybody ever been there? All right. Anybody never, ever want to be on the throne when somebody else is on the throne? Anybody? Really? Never? Oh, you know where liars go. <laughs> I'm sorry. If you've got your Bibles with you this morning, uh, I want to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 1 this morning. Uh, We're going to be moving quite quickly through a lot of Luke chapter 1, and it's not all going to be up on the screen. Some of it's in your notes, uh, but you might want to have a Bible open so you can follow along this morning. Last week, we talked about Mary and uh, the story about Mary's encounter with the angel Gabriel when Gabriel came and, and told her that she was going to be miraculously with child and that she was going to bear the, the Son of God, Jesus. And uh, we watched as Mary 
humbly submitted to the will of God. Really beautiful. Mary is such a great example of somebody who understood that God is on the throne and that Mary really wasn't interested in competing with him to be in control of her own life. She just submitted to God so beautifully. And if you remember, uh, the story continues and uh, Mary goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who is also miraculously pregnant. And uh, she traveled about 90 miles. One of our team members, Lucas, made this observation this week. It would be like traveling from Bozeman to, to Helena, about that distance. Mary went that far. No cars, no buses, no transportation. Uh, she either walked 90 miles or she rode some sort of an animal 90 miles. It was, it was a lot of work to get to Elizabeth. But she went and, and they had this remarkable experience because they had both had these, these miraculous visitations by an angel and they were both miraculously pregnant and in luke chapter 1 verse 45 we read that when mary came to visit elizabeth elizabeth said blessed is she who has believed that what the lord has said to her will be accomplished and really in looking at these stories we see that both of these women were remarkably blessed because God was on the throne of their lives. They submitted to God's reign and they were willing to be whatever God wanted them to be. And last week we talked about Mary's song of praise. We emphasized the fact that she was humble and and that uh, she recognized and praised the God of reversals. If you weren't here last week, I encourage you to listen to the podcast. Uh, we, We just really had a wonderful time together as we were studying her song of worship. But today, we're going to take a look at another song, and this one is going to be by Elizabeth's husband, Zechariah. And uh, this is a song that we don't talk about a lot at Christmas time, but it's a beautiful song, and there's some things we can learn. So if you've got your Bibles open, we're going to pick up in verse 57 of Luke chapter 1, and uh, we're going to learn a little bit about Zechariah. So here's what we read. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son, and her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father, but his mother answered, no, he shall be called John. And they said to her, none of your relatives is called by this name, and they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet, and he wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered. Now, if you're not familiar with this story, you might be wondering, why couldn't Zechariah talk? Why did he have to write this down? Well, a little bit earlier in the chapter, we read about Zechariah, and he had actually had a visit from an angel just like Mary had had. And the angel came to Zechariah and told him that his wife, in her old age, was going to have a baby. Chris and I can really relate to this uh, story because we have never had biological children of our own. And I've shared with you many times (coughs) that we've adopted all kinds of people into our family, but we've never had that that experience of having a biological child. And, and so we can, we can understand what Zechariah must have been feeling, or at least I can as a, as a guy. An, an angel comes and tells you that your, your, your wife, who's never been able to have a child, she was beyond childbearing years, uh, 
She's going to have a baby. Do you know what Zechariah did? He laughed. Okay? Here he's, he's being visited by an angel, and Zechariah is so incredulous that he laughs. So what happens is, uh, I don't know if it was the power of God or if it was the angel or kind of a combination of both, but Zechariah is struck dumb, meaning that he's not able to speak. And so for the, the whole period after that, up until we, this story that we are reading, Zechariah is not able to speak, and the only way he's able to communicate is by using signs and writing on a tablet. And so this is what had happened, and, and, uh, and, and he wrote down, his name will be John. Let's keep reading, verse 64. Immediately his mouth was opened, and his tongue was loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. And that's something, oh, you are an angel, thank you. And he spoke uh, blessings to God. This is one of the things that I love about this story, is as soon as Zechariah had learned his lesson... All right, clearly he was, he was one of these people that was a little hard-headed, right? And uh, a bad nut, maybe. And, uh, and as soon as he figured it out, he began to, he, he became a worshiper. And I love that about Zechariah. He blessed God. Verse 65, fear came on all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. And we're going to take a look at this song. If you're taking notes this morning, here's the first thing you can write down. Zechariah sings a great song about how God reigns. He sings a great song about how God reigns. And just like Mary sang this song that last week I shared with you was called the Magnificat. And she sang this beautiful song of worship. Zechariah now is going to sing a song that has been sung in Christian churches through the centuries by Christians all over the world. And this one is called Benedictus, which is Latin for the word uh, blessed or blessed be. This is a song in which Zechariah says, praise be given to God. And we're going to take a look at this. But here's the big idea that I want to talk about today, if you're taking notes. Just like Zechariah sang a song about how God reigns, we sing because the Savior reigns. We sing because the Savior reigns. In fact, the second verse to Joy to the World goes like this. You might remember this. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. Thank you for singing along. Anybody else want to sing with me? One more time. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men and women too their songs employ. We sing because the Savior reigns. Isn't there something about singing praises that just lifts everything in, in your spirit? I don't know about you, and, and, and I'm a singer. I love to sing, so maybe I'm different than a lot of people, but there's something about singing that just connects me to God. And in fact, the last few weeks, I've just been so deeply immersed in Luke chapter 1 that it, it's really been bringing my focus into singing praise to God and and I've been playing worship music in our home more than I even normally do. Uh, I've, I've made playlists in Spotify. I've got a Christmas playlist. In fact, this morning, if you're my Facebook friend, I shared my Christmas playlist with you. 
uh, if anybody wants to follow it in, 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 in Spotify. Uh, be, I, I've just been singing and singing and singing because there's something about that that just connects me to God. And it's because the Savior reigns. So let's get back to Zechariah. And you might be wondering this morning, what would an elderly man who's filled with the Holy Spirit sing about? There's three things this morning that I want to share with you, and we're going to read his song together this morning. The first thing that he sings about is that the Savior reigns in the past. The Savior reigns in the past. Take a look uh, at, at his song starting in verse 68. He says, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us. Now, another translation translates it this way. He's visited and redeemed his people and he has sent us a mighty savior. But this morning when I was studying, I hadn't studied this earlier in the week, but uh, today I saw that phrase, horn of salvation. I just thought, that's a weird phrase. He's raised up a horn of salvation. So I just did a quick study on, on that phrase, and I discovered that what, what Zechariah was singing about was, was the horn of an animal. And in ancient symbology, symbology? <laughs> symbolism, whatever, right? You know what I'm talking about. The symbols in the ancient world, uh, a horn represented warfare among animals. And so, uh, like, like in, in our Christmas artwork here, we have this caribou here. Look at that rack. Imagine a couple of those guys um, intersecting with one another, right, in, in animal warfare. You shouldn't be laughing. Okay, I just got to stick to the script. I'm so sorry. I just know this section over here. There's all kinds of bad things that happen over in this section right here. Nothing bad ever happens. Okay, let's just keep reading. He's raised up a horn of salvation for us. In other words, God is doing battle and he's bringing salvation to us. That's what, that's what Zechariah is saying. It's a really cool thing. Uh, verse 7, he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old that we should be saved from our enemies. You see what Zechariah is saying? He's, he's rejoicing because He's understanding that God has provided salvation throughout all the ancient times. Verse 72, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we being delivered from the hands of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. This is what Zechariah is doing. Zechariah is worshiping because God has done what he said he would do. God is worshiping because he has done what he has said that he would do. He sings because God has kept his promises. He sings because God has sent us a savior. He sings because the savior reigns. Now listen, uh, this week, I've just been reflecting on how the Savior has reigned in my life. And uh, I, I'm kind of at that age where I start looking back and, and seeing with a different perspective what God has been doing in my life. And I've shared with you a number of times, uh, those of you that are regulars around here, you know Chris and I have struggled with infertility for, for all of our married years. And uh, 
we tried everything there, there was possible to try to get pregnant. It started with drugs. I don't remember what the name of that drug was that they put Chris on. Uh, but she started taking some pill that was supposed to make her ovulate and do all that stuff that's supposed to happen. And I, I don't know about you, but when I get a prescription from the doctor, I usually trust my doctor and I don't read the fine print. Anybody else like me? You just don't bother with reading that. You know, they send you that big long list of things. Well, Chris started, Chris started taking this drug in the early days of our marriage uh, that, that we were thinking was going to fix everything. And all of a sudden, my wife just kind of morphed into this woman I didn't know before. And we had failed to read the small print where it says mental changes. Mental changes. What, what that means is this drug will make you crazy, okay? <laughs> and um, all of a sudden, I found that I was living with, and tr- right, right, Chris, it's really true. I mean, I was, I was living with a crazy woman. It was, it was, it was awful. And, um, and when we finally figured out it was a side effect of the drug, we're like, this isn't worth it, so we get rid of the drug. But then we did... Uh, in vitro, or not in vitro fertilization. We did artificial insemination. I mean, we just did, we did everything we could do. And finally, uh, eight years ago, before we moved to Bozeman, we were set to adopt a little baby girl, and we had developed a relationship with a young mom, and she had been separated from uh, the father of, of her baby that she was pregnant with, and she wanted to give this baby up for adoption. And so we agreed to adopt her baby, and we went through the whole process. I mean, those of you that have ever adopted a baby, you know it's quite a process. And you go through uh, home inspections and training, and you read books, and I mean, thousands of dollars in getting ready for this baby. Uh, and we were so excited to have this little baby girl. We had a name. We had all the baby things. You know, everything was in s- all set in place. And a month before the baby was born, the mom just stopped communicating with us, just no communication whatsoever, and Chris would call and no answer, and we couldn't find her. There was just nothing, and her due date came and went, and we, we didn't have a baby. We didn't know what had happened, and finally, I think it was three or four days after the baby was born, the girl's mother, so the grandmother of the baby, called Chris up, and she said she's decided to keep the baby, and um, we're really sorry, and she's, she, she just can't call you and tell you herself. And, and I'll tell you, Chris and I were just emotionally devastated. I, I mean, I was 45. Chris is just a little bit younger than me. And I, this was our last chance to have a family. This, this was it. And uh, just wiped us out. I'll never forget sitting in our living room. And uh, I, I've never seen my wife cry so hard. And, of course, I, I think watching my wife grieve was probably... harder on me than it was even the loss of a baby. It was so difficult. And Pastor Joel, who is now one of our overseers, many of you know Pastor Joel, he and his wife Sharon came over and we sat in our living room, cried, prayed. And I can just remember saying to God, what the heck? You know, what, what the heck? Actually, it was probably stronger than that. I couldn't get it. And, and I watched people having babies all around me. Some of them are great parents. Some of them are terrible parents. And, and I'm asking, what's wrong with me? Why, why is God passing over me? And like I said earlier, you know, now I'm, I'm at that age where I can look back on my life and I begin to see that God really was on the throne in those days. That I wasn't getting what I wanted, but... God knew what what was right. 
and I've just been really blessed this week. Um, Kelly Hostetler is a new connector around here. She and her family have been here a few months. And last Sunday, she handed me a note. She was praying for me last week. Uh, and she just felt like Lord, the Lord began to speak to her, and she wrote it down, and she wanted to share this with me. And I just want to read part of this to you. She wrote this. There once was a man who longed to have a child, and he wanted this so badly it caused his heart to ache. And he said to God, I will die with grief if you do not bless me with a son, a child of my own. There were times in the darkest moments of his longing when the man feared he had wronged his God and this barrenness was his punishment. So he chastised himself and walked with his head hung in shame, hoping that perhaps his humility and self-loathing would balance the account against him. And you have to know, Kelly doesn't know me well. She couldn't have known, but that's exactly one of the things that I really struggled with. And I'm going to skip down towards the end, but she ends it with this. God speaking, my son, I have heard your cries and I have come to dry your tears. You see, son, your dreams have been too limited. You thought I had rejected you and given you second best. But while you have cried out for a child, I have destined you to father a city because you're a man after my own heart. Have I not adopted nations and peoples who were orphaned. Rise up and rejoice, O man of God, for I have removed your cloak of shame and condemnation and poured over you the oil of joy. And that's just one small thing that has helped me look back on my life and and one of the biggest struggles of my life and see, you know what? God is on the throne. God has a plan. God has a plan for me and it's not my plan. It's different from my plan. I don't get it. Some days I still say, what the heck? A- and maybe you do too. There's probably things in your past that you're just struggling with and, and you struggle to see the hand of God in your life. You're, you, you struggle to see that God was in control. We sing songs about being in control and you're a good, good father and these kinds of songs. I've had conversations with people that have said, I, I come to church, I hear these worship songs and I can't sing them because I don't feel like that's my song. And I I get that. But sometimes we just have to say, okay, God, I'm going to step off the throne and I'm going to let you sit there. And like Mary and like Zechariah finally came around to, I'm just going to let you sit on the throne and I'm going to let you call the shots and I'm going to trust that you're a good, good father. Even when my, my fleshly prayer is what the heck. I'm going to let you take the throne. Okay, let's get back to Zechariah. He sang because the Savior reigns in the past, and now he sings about the Savior reigning in the present. In verse 76, he picks up and and he says, And you, child, and now he's singing to his son, who would become John the Baptist, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, And you will go before the Lord and prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. And I really feel like here Zechariah is really acknowledging that God is on the throne right now in his life. He can now see that this baby who's been born, now eight days old, named John, 
he, he's going to become the fulfillment of prophecy. In fact, Zechariah is quoting a prophecy from Isaiah chapter 40. I'm not going to read it to you. But John had this incredible role to fill. He, he would preach and he would get everyone ready for the Messiah. He was the one that went right before Jesus. It was prophesied in the Old Testament and he had a critical role to play in the mission of Jesus. And now Zechariah could see God is on the throne and this miraculously born baby named John had a critical role to play. And here's what I think you and I need to learn from Zechariah's song. God has a critical role for you and for me to play in the mission of Jesus. God has a critical role for us to play in the mission of Jesus. You know what? It's so easy for us to get all wrapped up in ourselves. It's so easy to get all wrapped And Christmas time especially, boy, is this ever a time to get all self-indulgent and self-focused, isn't it? And to forget that God has called us to be missionaries. We've been called to be missionaries. We've been called to be playing critical roles in the mission of Jesus. And we've got to get our eyes off ourselves and see that God is on the throne and he has a role for us to play. I had a really fun experience yesterday. I was downtown Bozeman and I was doing a little bit of Christmas shopping. And, uh, and I was in a store and there was a young woman helping me. Her name is Maggie. And, uh, and I was asking to see some things and she was helping me and we were looking at all kinds of stuff. And and I was in there, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes or so, and we'd had a nice conversation. And, and, uh, and I've spent some time doing work in retail stores, so I understand how retail works, you know. And one of the things I know is that when you're in sales, you always want to upsell the customer. Do you know what I mean? You always want to offer the customer something they didn't come in to buy, right? And so she was doing a really good job at trying to upsell me, you know, and she kept pulling out things that were more money than I was planning to spend and look at this and I'd say, ooh, sparkly. And, um, you know, so, you know, she just did a really great job. And, and so when we were finishing everything up, I said to her, you're really good at your job. You, you do a really good job. And she said, well, thank you. And she said, I just really like connecting with people and I like what, and, and that word connect just perked my ears up, you know. And, and I said, well, you connect with people really well. And she said, I just like building relationships and connecting with people. She said, connect again. <laughs> and I said, well, you know what? I just happen to be the pastor of Connect Church. So if you like connecting with people, you ought to come and check Connect out. And she said, thank you. She was so nice. And I, I pulled out a card. I, I just keep these little cards in my, in my wallet so that I can hand them out whenever I have an opportunity like that because I'm on mission, right? I, I know that God wants me to be on mission. Even when I'm Christmas shopping, I just want to keep my eyes open to the possibility of being on mission. And it turns out that she's deeply involved in another church. And so um, she, she already knows Jesus. And, you know, that, that's great. Uh, but it was just a great reminder to me to just stay on mission, even when I'm Christmas shopping, even when I'm doing things that are so mundane and everyday, I've got to keep my eyes open because just like John the Baptist, I've got a role to play. God has called me to be a missionary to Montanans who are not connected to God. That's my job. And it's your job too. God's got a critical role for you to play. And, and if we're going to be people that let God be on the throne instead of me being on the throne, it means I've got to keep my eyes on the mission. Because that's what it's all about. That's why God has put us here, is to stay on mission. The last thing that Zechariah sings about 
is that the Savior reigns in the future. Verse 78. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. Zechariah could see into the future to see what God is doing. The light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. If I could summarize what Zechariah is singing about, he's, he's saying God's been faithful in the past. We're experiencing his faithfulness in the present. But there are a whole bunch of promises that we're still waiting on. There's a whole lot of stuff we're still waiting on. We're still waiting for Jesus to come again. He's promised he will come again, and we're still waiting for that. We're waiting for resurrected bodies. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to trade this one in. Okay? Some of you that are 18, you kind of like what you got, but listen, it gets worse. <laughs> we're waiting for that promise we're waiting for heaven when oh man you guys I get annoyed sometimes when I go to funerals and everything's all all focused on reuniting with grandma because you know what grandma's going to be in heaven and I'm really excited to see my grandma but you know what we're both going to be so preoccupied with worshiping Jesus and I can't wait to get there. Can't wait. And, 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 and you know what? It's all going to happen. All of these things that been, we've been waiting our whole lives for. If you're like me and you grew up in Sunday school and, and you were taught all this stuff, listen, it's, it's as good as done because God is on the throne. And he's been faithful in the past. He's faithful today. And he's going to be faithful in the future. We're praying about some of the things uh, we're, we're praying about some of the things for the future of Connect Church, and, and, and we've got some big decisions to make. Um, we've, we've passed year four on our lease of this building, and we've got a five-year lease. And so in about 11 months, we've got to figure out, actually, before we get to 11 months, we've got to figure out, do we want to stay in this building? Do we want to move? Uh, what are we going to do? The church is growing. You know, most Sundays... We're, we're getting full around here. What are we going to do? And, and some days I have a hard time sleeping because I I, I, I'm a little worried. And I have to remind myself, God is in the throne. And he's been faithful in the past. He's, he's going to get us. I, I mean, look what God has built. He's, I, he's on the throne, right? And so I'm going to trust him. And you can trust him too. I just want to ask you this very simply this morning. Who is on your throne? There's only one throne. Who's on it? Sometimes Chris and I fight about who's on the throne. But at the end of the day, it's God's throne. There's only one throne. Who's on your throne? There's some beautiful verses in Philippians chapter 2 that I want you to take a look at. It says this. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, Jesus, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. 
and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. These are great verses, and I want you just to look at those for a second. Would you think about what this is? God has highly exalted Jesus. He has the name that is above every name. And at his name, every knee will bow. I love this artwork that I came across this week. Isn't it beautiful? And and it's a little blurry. I don't know if you can tell it. It's just picturing thousands and thousands and thousands of people bowing before Jesus. These are verses of prophecy. This isn't talking about today. This is talking about sometime in the future when every knee will bow. And it's going to be phenomenal. But listen, these aren't verses of hope. These really are verses that should strike our hearts with fear. Because what it's talking about is when, when, when we have this experience and every knee bows, we will willingly choose to bow because we have chosen. I mean, if you're one of, one of the Christians that have embraced Jesus, we will willingly bow, but, but every knee will bow on this day. Do you, do you this is a day of judgment when people who have not chosen to bow the knee to Jesus will be forced to bow the knee to Jesus. And that's a little scary if you think about it. And this is one of the reasons why I believe we have to be on mission is because I don't want to be a part of that group of people that are forced to bow the knee. I don't want anybody I love to be a part of that group of people that is forced to bow the knee. But every knee will bow. But listen, we are invited today to choose to bow. What an honor. Everything in creation was created to praise God. I talked about it last week. The trees praise the Lord. The elks bugling praise the Lord. Everything, the whales sing to praise the Lord. If you weren't with us last week, listen to the podcast. It was awesome. Um, Because everything praises the Lord, right? We are the only things in all creation that were given a choice whether or not to praise. What an honor that we get to choose. It's a blessing that God has given us that we can choose. Brian Dirksen, almost 20 years ago, wrote a song that I have always loved um, that talks about the blessing that comes to those who choose to worship him. I don't know that anybody sings it anymore. I haven't heard it in a long time, but it's a great worship song. And I didn't get it to the band in time for them to learn it, but I I just want to sing it. And so um, (coughs) I decided to do something a little bit risky this morning. You know me and Risky, right? Danger Russ, you betcha. I brought my ukulele. And I literally got up this morning singing this song, and I didn't know how we were going to figure out how to do that. Is this on, Jess? And I thought, we'll just sing with a ukulele. Some of you might remember this if you've been around for a while. Come, now is the time to worship. Do you remember this song? Come, now is the time to worship. 
is the time to give your heart. Come, just as you are to worship. Come, just as you are before your Sing it again. Come. Come. Now is the time to worship. Come. Now is the time to give your heart. Come. Just as you are to Just as you are before your God. This is the part I love. One day every tongue will confess you are God. One day every knee will bow. Still the greatest treasure remains for those who gladly choose you now. Sing it again. One day. One day every tongue will confess you are God. One day every knee will bow. Still the greatest treasure remains for those who gladly choose you now. Come now is the time. Come, now is the time to worship. Come, now is the time to give your heart. Come, just as you are to worship. Come. Just as you are before your God. Come. One day, come on. One day every tongue will confess you are God. One day every knee will bow. Still the greatest treasure remains for those who gladly choose you now. One day, one day every man will confess you are God. One day every knee will bow. Still the greatest treasure remains for those who gladly choose you now. Okay, hang on just a second here, guys. Scotty warned me they might join me this time now they'd heard it once. But there's one more verse that I really like. Can you put that up, Sadie? Willingly? This one's great. But you know what? Y'all got to stand if you're going to sing these lyrics. Goes like this. Willingly we choose to surrender our lives. Willingly we please will buy. With all our heart, soul, mind, and strength.
strength, we gladly choose you now. One more time, come on, willingly. Willingly we choose to surrender our lives. Willingly we please will bow. With all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we gladly choose you now. One more time, willingly. Willingly we choose to surrender our lives. Willingly we knees will bow. With all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we gladly choose you now. Come now is the time to worship. Come now is the time to worship. Come now is the time to give your heart. Come just as you are to worship. Come. Just as you are before your God, come. You guys did great. Thank you. <laughs> if you don't remember anything else from today, I want you to think about this. What, what can we learn from Zechariah? Here's what it is. If I don't get off the throne, God just might push me off. And it might be the smart thing to do, to choose to bow before him. It just might be really smart to let him have the throne. Because there's only one. There's only one throne. And it belongs to him. We're going to share in communion in just a second. Uh, but before we do that, can we just pray together? And I'd like to ask all of you all over this room to uh, close your eyes and not look around and give, her, give everyone just a moment of privacy. If you're uh, serving this morning, you can uh, go and get ready. But everybody else, if you'll just close your eyes for a moment, I would love to pray with you this morning. If uh, you're here today and you haven't yet let God take the throne, Maybe you've never yet experienced the forgiveness of Jesus. You haven't yet uh, made him the Lord of your life, the boss of your life, the leader of your life. I'd love to pray with you to start a whole new life today. And so if you're praying this prayer with me today, uh, I, I would just love to ask you to do something that, that's very brave, and I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out, but just so I know who I'm praying with, if you'd raise your hand real high right where you are, you, you want to be a part of this prayer. Thank you. Right in the back. Thank you so much. Thank you. A couple over here. Yeah, another one over here. Thank you, Lord. Mm, this is awesome. I just want to ask us, can we, can we all repeat this prayer out loud? Every one of us. And if you've raised your hand this morning, would you pray this from the deepest place in your heart today? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus Christ. I'm ready to let you have the throne. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for offering me forgiveness. And today I'm ready to walk away from sin, from rebellion, from being in control. 
Wash me clean, Jesus. Change me from the inside out. And help me to follow you the rest of my life. Amen.